good design is measured by objective goals. And everybody keeps saying that it's difficult to form objective design goals, but I don't think that's actually true. I just think it's lazy. If you're not being lazy with your work, if, if you really focus down on what are the key elements that would make our uh, solution successful, and then you measure them, um, measure them in a systemic way, you will make your design objective relatively easily. Here's the thing, design isn't art. Art is something that you do for yourself, for your community, using your own standards of what is art. And if somebody specifically tells you that we have a system where your creation needs to live in and it needs to fulfill these very specific requirements, that's not art anymore. I think that's design. Experience design, interaction design, strategic service design, whatever you want to call it, it's all about creating the customer journey. My guest on this episode, Juho Basanen, is here to talk about just that. Juho started his professional career in Helsinki at the age of 17, before going on to work for Google in the UK and US. He talks about coming back to Finland to create a new culture of design thinking at the Finnish Postal Service Group, Posti. We discussed the differences between making art and making design, and I really liked Juho's breakdown of what he thinks makes a good leader, whether it's a leader of a creative team or any group of people. All right, let's do it. Here's Juho. Okay, so here I am now with Mr. Juho Pasonen. How are you, Juho? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Hyvää huomenta. Hyvää huomenta. Okay, so Juho, how would you describe your job? What do you do? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a long <laughs> one. So so uh, let's start with the titles, because titles are always interesting to people yes. for some reason. So, so um, I'm the design lead at, at Posti, which uh, essentially is the national mail carrier for Finland and incidentally a pretty big um, logistics, logistics services company. So the way I think about my job is that I have three fundamental roles, mm. which are kind of bundled into one. So first of all, um, I'm responsible for thinking about how does design thinking play a role uh, in, a, in a company like Posti. So I'm kind of responsible for the whole design mindset and, and the idea of spreading strategic service design to all different arms and levels of the company. Mm. The second um, practical thing is actually leading the day-to-day -day design activities that, that we, we have ongoing at any given time. So we, we basically have a lot of um, digital UX work right now, because obviously digitalization plays a key role um, mm. with our services. But we also have a lot of service design activities on logistics processes and, and just like straight up thinking about how do we build a better customer experience for the parcels and, and, the, and the letter mail that you're receiving. So just like day-to-day -day supporting the team that's actually working on these things. So I like to think of myself as a designer experience designer. So I'm, I'm kind of the, the enabler and, and the catalyst for their work. I don't really need to pull everything 
I, I don't even want to actually <laughs> pull everything on my own. I just want to make sure that my team has everything that they need. I call them my design fam. Awesome. Uh, usually accompanied with the heart emoji when I when I have conversations with them on, on Slack. But the third thing um, I'm dealing with is overall strategic plans on on how do we how do we actually build a better service for the customers from from the strategic standpoint. So how does how does the strategy of a 400-year-old company change mm. when you start adding elements of design and elements of human centricity? Like interestingly, Posti has always been customer-centric, even if you wouldn't necessarily always see it that way when when we mess up your parcel or <laughs> or you you get damaged mail mail to your letterbox or whatever but the history has been there um but we've kind of lacked the the language and the practical tools to actually take us from from customer insights to real actions that improve the customer experience so 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 building that strategy and building those capabilities is like the third thing i'm dealing with it's a lot of stuff for one person Awesome, but and it is a lot of stuff for one person. But I love that you said you can't do it by yourself, and you don't want to do it by yourself. And so I don't know. That's that's totally true. Um, like if you think about it, it's a pretty wide perspective. But at the same time, um, I have a fantastic team who's helping me on mm. all 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 these platforms. So all the way from strategy to uh, the most small, like tactical things, like instructions on parcel lockers and and um, digital UI bits and and whatever, they're all super fantastic. And it's it's just it's just like a gas working with them on these things. Mm. Okay, I want to talk a little bit uh, before we get into posty stuff. I want to talk a little bit about how you got started. And I know you used to be a computer geek. So were, <laughs> were you always? When did design come into it? Were you always a design geek or did you start off somewhere else and think, discover design? <laughs> I think hilariously, um, I, I think design was an inbuilt thing because mm. um, I've always loved, I've always loved to draw and, and we can talk hours about whether whether art and the ability to draw is actually related to design or not. That's a whole another topic, but, but yeah, um, it's a cool, we should spend a few minutes on it. Cause that's a good time. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess I have a lot to say about that, um, but we'll park it for later. So, okay. so um, I, I started off as a kid who really likes to draw. And at some point I started to realize that human beings are actually super interesting. Like from the point of view yep. of, how 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 they interact with each other and and how how do how do different patterns of behavior actually manifest themselves in 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 everyday life and and at some point i realized that user interfaces are actually really interesting hmm. um because they they kind of combined my passion for creating visual things and trying to understand how humans interact with each other. So I ended up um, playing with with a lot of web stuff back when it was still in, in its infancy, mm. like 96, 97, 98. And I did a lot of web work. This was when I was like 14, 15, 16 year old. Wow. Um, digging around with, with web design. And that got noticed um, at one point uh, by, by an agency called Cray Interactive. This was 99 when I was 
just about to turn 17. Nice. And they actually actually called me up and asked if I'd be interested in interviewing for a job. So I, I basically uh, packed up my stuff and, and um, left the small town of Leppävirta mm. uh, to join them in Helsinki. So I went to an interview with them. Uh, we spoke, I think, for about three hours. So we had great conversations about um, what I think about web and, and, and what my life situation was, which was basically I had just finished the first year of high school. <laughs> so um, that, was, that was a lot of fun. And I, I, um, I had some conversations about some of the websites I knew they had designed and built. And, and we, we went really deep into talking about like web typography and, and how, um, how web services were that, at that time and, and what were the interesting things we also were coming like content management systems, which were still like super, super early. And, and, and after the three hours I left, <laughs> I left um, the interview feeling a little bit confused because I wasn't really sure if they, first of all, if they were interested. Mm. And, and, and they told me that they hadn't realized that I'm 17. So they were like, we don't know if we could actually hire you. Yeah. And I was, I think I was walking. I'm not sure if this is actually how it went down, but this is how I remember it. So I was walking down, down the street that um, goes downhill from, um, from Kampi to, towards Forum. And because the, okay, the office yes. was at the corner of the office was at the corner of Annankatu and Annankatu and the the other street. Yep, I'm picturing it front of Kampi. And um, right about at Forum, I got a phone call, and they're like, "Okay, fine. So can you start on Monday?" Nice. <laughs> and 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 that's that's how I got into professional design. So I so I you spent, quit school. Uh, yeah, I I quit school. I I quit high school after one year. Um, Packed up my stuff, moved to Helsinki, started working on web. Amazing. They actually put me to work on um, a couple of pretty big, big campaigns. I was working on this teleoperator Sonera uh, and their youth campaigns. So the, uh, maybe they maybe they thought that it's um, it's an interesting combo to put a seventeen year old to work on youth campaigns. But this was a lot of fun. Did some really inspiring work back then. We we had a we had some really big clients, and it was really interesting seeing how the web became like a real actual thing in, in yeah. everyone's lives. 99, and... not many teenagers were thinking about web. So and do you think it'll be the same today for, you know, a 16, 17 year old who's working on, I don't know, blockchain or, or machine learning I or hope whatever? So. I hope so, because it was an interesting experience. And I, I like to think that um, if you're passionate about something, there's there is some kind of a way for you to leverage that passion and really show what you can do. Um, like today, obviously, today's kids, so first of all, they're a lot smarter than I am. So they're, they're like, I, I, keep, I keep having a lot of discussions with, with young designers and people who are like just starting their design careers and they're just so freaking smart, man. Mm. Like it's it's really interesting to see how how much evolution has happened even in but even, wait, even that's, after after that's after exactly our generation. It. It's the evolution. They've they're smart because they've had people like you to build upon. Where you know, whereas you, if you were doing web in late nineties, that's that's pioneering. That's true in a way, but we didn't really see it as pioneering then. Uh, like looking back at it. Uh, it was pretty trailblazing, but we didn't really think of it that way. We're basically just doing a job. We're having fun. Like, mm. 
uh, we we I mean the greatest thing about it was that there were there was no rules like nobody actually exactly. had rules on how yeah. how we how things should be built and how things should be designed and so so you just everybody was learning at up. the same time. Yeah, you just made it up as you were going on. One of the one of the greatest things I think about that time when I think about it, like twenty one years back, is um, nobody told you what design is. Nobody bothered to actually spend time defining that this is service design and this is UX design and this yep. is UI design. We were we were just creating, and that's actually the spirit that I would like to see returning because I think we're getting way too focused on strict definitions of what is service design or or what is design thinking is, is it a process is it a mindset what are the things that belong in design and so forth so that's that's like the one thing i would want to see coming back from 1999 okay all right i want to ask you about that because i know you've said this before so do you think it's going to all merge together into one single discipline or don't you think there's a chance that it's going to split even more into newer, smaller little segments? Because I feel like, yeah. you know, entropy just grows. It doesn't go mm -hmm. back. <laughs> I mean, that's that's true for sure. But um, the way I think about it, and I can only speak for my own behalf, right? Um, the way I think about it is the core of what is design is becoming bigger and bigger. So... We started off with with like super super uh, fluid definitions of what constitutes as design, and and we started uh, to see a sort of a counter movement after that, where everything became siloed, and and we started thinking about interaction designers, for example, as people who create wireframes, visual designers as people who create icons and illustrations, mm. um, UI designers as something in between, and so forth. Design researchers who would only do research and mm. whatnot, and um, it worked for a while um, until we started to realize that the overlap is actually pretty big, and that actually started another counter movement. God, I'm on. I'm old enough to have seen <laughs> two different culture movements in my career. That's that's a pretty dreary uh, realization. Anyway. Um, so so we, we saw another counter movement where the core of design started getting bigger. So we realized that in order to be um, an efficient designer and in order to like really understand the, the customer and, and think about the solutions, you need to start expanding um, on your basic toolkit. So people started becoming skateboard shaped instead of T shaped. So you, you didn't just pick like one specialization and run with it you started to learn individual skills from like the research track and uh, from interaction design track or service design which started to be a thing so i see that trend actually becoming stronger so we're we're getting more and more different traits in our sort of basic designer toolkit and then taking certain specializations that we feel we want to deepen our our skill set and, and and experience with but the way i see that different from the last time the sort of trade siloing happened is that i think nowadays people are more willing to swing between the different um tracks of expertise so people who used to do ux design or ui design or interaction design or whatever they want to call it mm. might swing to work more on research and people who've done research. I know actually a lot of people who went from research 
to service design. And by service design, in this case, I mean more about the overall customer journey and maybe the retail processes rather than digital interfaces. And, and digital UX people moving more towards retail um, and so forth. So, so I guess what's happening from my perspective is that people are getting um, a wider core as a designer and at the same time being more fluid to jump between the tracks. Mm. I actually think about this a lot these days because um, Posti doesn't have a designer career track, which is um, pretty obvious if you think about the fact that it's 400 years old, old and only in the recent like 10 or 15 years have has really had to transform majorly. Uh, so we haven't really had a history of design in the company. So um, I'm now creating a designer track for Posti. And, and so first of all, we're not like, we don't call ourselves service designers, UX designers, et cetera. We're all just designers. So mm. you can be a junior designer, a designer or a senior designer, but that's okay. it. Um, and then to add to that, you have a core craft. And that core craft could be something like concept design, uh, service design, design systems, whatever you want it to be. You choose your craft. But at the same time, uh, there is an inventory of traits. So certain characteristics that come along with the, with, with the core of being a designer. So, so things like wanting to be interested in research, being able to do basic level research, being able to do workshop facilitation, be... Uh, being interested in both customers and posting uh, employee, employees, mm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's like, you can't be a posty designer if you don't actually think about how you how you develop those specific traits. And we've actually written them down. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you, you kind of have different traits from like the different tracks and you keep growing per track. So we, we actually have steps defined uh, for when you kind of climb in different levels of those trades. And at one point you become a senior. And that's like the totally fair way of judging who's uh, more senior than, than someone else. Mm. So I'm kind of trying to democratize the whole idea of, of seniority as designers. Awesome. I love it. And this might be a good time to ask you then, because you just described what it, what you think takes to be a good designer. You didn't include the ability to create art or to draw. So what's your opinion on that? So um, here's the thing. Design isn't art. Art is something that you do for yourself, for your community, using your own standards of what is art. If somebody specifically tells you that we have a system where your creation needs to live in and it needs to fulfill these very specific requirements, that's not art anymore. I think that's design. So for me personally, art is created on your own standards, on your own decision, on your own inspiration. Mm. Design is professional. And these are two different things. I love it. Um, I don't think you have to be able to draw to be a good designer, but I think you need to always have a certain level of visual narrative skills. Like I've seen some brilliant design strategists who um, are great at understanding customers and they're so, so talented in, in um, figuring out like how do we actually uh, embed design in organization. My, my wife is actually like that. She pivoted from she pivoted from fundraising to service design. She's smart as all hell. Uh, wonderful designer. 
I love her to death, but she can't draw. Like she's mm. absolutely, absolutely not a visual designer. Mm. And while she does fantastic things as a designer, I can see that hurting her in her everyday designer life because when you have the capability to actually tell a story visually, the same story becomes stronger. However, when you start thinking about like, or talking about what's ugly and what isn't, Mm. I think honestly, even basic level, basic level capability of, of creating a neat, uh, deck or or storyboard or whatever is fine it doesn't have to look pretty as long as you can convey your story visually so the narrative is is the key word here is if you can tell your narrative in one way or the other you have enough skills i know this is a this is a topic that's been argumented quite a lot um, Mm. over the years and there are there are schools of designers who think that because professional design almost always independent of how you think about it is is kind of derived from the same basic education of like the same basic school of design like the the typical industrial designer education and and so forth it all kind of stems into being able to process things visually and being being able to see things in a visual environment in your head so there are a lot of people who think that that visual capabilities are always a requirement for designers. And I'm not in that camp, mm. but I do think it's helpful if you can tell your narratives in a visual way. Sure. Yeah. And I loved your definition of art and design. Do you think it's too simple to say that one is subjective and the other has objective goals? Like design has to work. It has to serve a purpose. It has to help somebody, a user, do something. Whereas art, it's because you talked about ugly and pretty. Well, art, ugly and pretty is subjective. Whereas design, it's not subjective. If it doesn't work, then it's not good design. You know, a lot of the work that we do is actually subjective. Then it just becomes a matter of whose subjective perspective is the right one. And this, <laughs> yep, is where, yep. this, and this is where design leadership comes into play, and we can talk about that later. Excellent but getting back, to your, getting back to your original question, I don't think it's, at, at least I don't think it's an oversimplification. I think it's, uh, for me personally, it feels right to think about it from the point of view of saying that um, art would be subjective and it's something I create on my own terms. Like, I don't have to give a crap whether or not you think the work that I created is artistic or not, because mm. if if I feel good about what I created, it worked. Mm. Whereas if you think about um, if you think about design, you have a lot of external objective goals, or at least, like I said, you should have. Mm. And and meeting those goals can be done in an artistic way, but I don't really see that as art in in the defi- in the definition that I wanted to create for it. But these are all my personal thoughts. I, I don't claim to have yep. any more wisdom about this than anyone else. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, let's quickly jump forward to Posty. Um, so when, do you find that when you tell people about being a designer at Posty and being a design lead and having a design team, are people surprised that Posty has a need for that? Um, I think I'm getting three reactions. Um, I mean, obviously it's, it's starting to, it's starting to, it's starting to become more normalized now because I'm, I've been making a lot of noise about this. So, so people are, 
are kind of getting the message already. But but like um, a year ago when I started, I get like I got like three different reactions. One was um, from people who were surprised that Bosti would be interested in in investing in design. So mm. uh, they were they were like positively, <laughs> at least I think positively surprised about the fact that um, we are serious about transforming ourselves also using design because we, we've been doing big transformative things anyway but now now the transformative things also include the design mindset and the idea of really going deep into strategic design the the other reaction um i've been getting is that people think that it's finally the time mm. for both to just start thinking about design like there's a lot of stories uh, in finland about things that have gone wrong with with parcels or or the <laughs> mail and and <laughs> Every single, um, every single personal experience where where we uh, fuck up with your parcel is perfectly valid, and 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 totally fair. So it's not my job to invalidate anyone's anyone's personal feelings about the parcels. I can totally see that happening, but but it's like um, I've had nothing but good experience personally. Well, I'm I'm glad there's there's people out there with perfectly valid bad experiences, and we're working hard to fix them. But anyway. Um, I, I like the, the other group was people who who are like saying that it's finally time for a poster to take up design. These are typically people who work in design. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so people who kind of um, see the mess from the outside. Yeah. Uh, but the third reaction was actually really interesting. <laughs> it was, it had nothing to do uh, with what post posted us per se. It was more like, why would you want to work at Posti after Google? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was <laughs> yeah. actually that was actually the maturity i think uh, can i ask how did you so, answer those people oh well um the, the third group uh, yeah so so it's it's a it's a rather long story but i'll try to make it short so um i i was actually really happy working at google a lot of people are super happy working at google it's a fun place to work yeah. and it's a fun place to learn uh, I felt like I was learning like every second, and and working with working with such a fantastic group of people is just a lot of fun. Uh, however, my um, my wife was still living in Finland while I was commuting between Seattle and Stockholm. Okay. And she first started kind of implying that it would be better if if I would be spending more time at home. And, mm. and when she started sounding like I'll I'll find my crap outside the door at some point, <laughs> um, I I had to start making some personal decisions and. Okay. Um, I decided that I would move back to Finland and I started thinking about, so if you come back to Finland after spending a lot of time first in Berlin at Zalando and then jumping between Seattle and Stockholm for Mm. Google, but like, excuse me, like what's actually interesting in Finland when it comes to design. And interestingly, Posti was the first thing that popped in my in my head. Wow! Um, for two for two reasons. First of all, because I think it has a lot of like actual societal um, impact. Like it has real influence on people's lives. It's pretty interesting to think about the fact that if you live in Finland, you become our customer almost almost literally on the day you're born because yep. your social security number is sent <laughs> to you via mail. So it's it's actually pretty interesting. So there aren't that many uh, there aren't that many institutions or or companies or whatever in Finland who can actually say that everyone in Finland is, is our mm. customer in one way or the other. So that was one thing. 
but actually funny funnily enough just as a, as a side anecdote i actually downgraded when <laughs> when i when i downgraded in the number of number of customers coming from google so wow. usually when yeah. I've, i've heard a lot of people say when they're when they're joining posty they're like massively widening their perspective on 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 the customer demographics oh yeah but i went down i went down for like hundreds of millions of yep. users so it's yep. it's kind of kind of interesting Any, But anyway, the other thing uh, that I find interesting about Posti is that, like I said earlier, we literally have like 400 years of history. So mm. that's 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 like a lot of that's a lot of history. That's a lot of um, influence we've had in people's lives, and with with the, that history of 400 years, we've never seen as much transformation as we've seen in the past 20 years. So we've had the digitalization. Uh, we've had the fact that people are expecting more and more contextual uh, customer service they expect us to know them better they expect us us to serve them better they expect to be served in whatever channel they choose not not in the channels that we choose for them so there's there's been a lot of things that have been changing like if you think about traditional mail think about letters and invoices um, the the volume of letters being sent is is, is just like going straight down um, for obvious reasons like we have whatsapp we have wechat we have we have tiktoks we have instagrams there's no need for us to actually communicate with postcards or letters anymore then uh, invoices are, are digitalized digitalizing um, i don't actually know anyone anymore who who would prefer having invoices yep. in in like traditional letter form like even even my parents Um, would rather just pay them in, in in online banking. So so there's a huge change there. But at the same time, the idea of online shopping and and the things that we uh, deliver at your home, things that we are delivering at your at the parcel lockers, that's going like really really sharply up. And especially now with the whole Corona thing, it became like more and more important for me mm-hmm. to. Um, work with everyone at Posti to figure out how can we best serve you with your um, online shopping and with your parcel deliveries now that you're getting everything at home. So so this I fi- I kind of think of this as a as a noble cause in a way. Plus I have this added thing that I usually don't say out loud but then I'll I'll say it out loud now. It's just really really fun coming to work at an underdog that's kind of seen as a uh, sort of um well i mean an underdog to be honest and and do something that takes us to actual world class customer experience and surprise everybody with that it's like uh it's just really fun to see the reactions when you're when you're actually building something that's really freaking cool even by modern standards yeah in a company that's 400 years old it's 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 like super satisfying to me well yeah i love so, that so i think that, that kind of got me, that kind of got me to working at posti I love that a 400 year old national institution is an underdog and obviously it is compared to Google but mm-hmm. that's funny. Um okay so what so you said you've been there just over a year, right? Yeah, I started um April last year. So before that because you you know from the three groups the three reactions some people thought why the heck Does Posty need it? And some people thought it's about time. So for those who who are saying it's about time, do you think they're, they're doing this late? And what changes have 
you brought in the past year or so that you've seen? So I think, first of all, it's never too late to realize that you need to um, improve your customer experience. So I, I applaud anyone who at any point in time realizes that there's something they need to do. Mm. Um, I mean, if you think about it from, from the point of view of um, whether it would have been better if we would have thought about this more earlier, probably yes. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's never too late to reinvent yourself. Yeah. And so I think some of the biggest things that my team has brought as a team, not, not just me individually, yeah. are, are first of all, the, the understanding of the design mindset, like actually understanding what it means yeah. to um, have a mindset in design, what it means to really go into deep insights of, of customer behavior and, and, and how to actually translate those insights into something actionable oh, that become great. real customer journey. So customer journey is actually the work that I've been focusing on most, most in the company. Because one of the first realizations I made when I, when I spent the first couple of months talking to like different people in the organization was that, was that we lacked the language and the tools to actually build actionable insights. So I kind of started off with uh, explaining to everyone that what we need to do is, is we need to start thinking in full customer journeys. So instead of thinking about um, parcel lockers individually or um, our digital services individually, uh, we need to really build a tool set for creating narratives where the customer starts from um, the very first moments they they start interacting with with our brand and services and goes all the way through the digital and the physical touch points mm. and and kind of have understanding as a company on what happens in each of those phases so that we can make that journey better because if you think about the experiences that you will you will have dealing with our retail locations like the the small postine shops um, compared to the parcel lockers, compared to the digital channels. Uh, we've been getting better and better as a company in, in tying those channels together, but we we didn't really think of them as complete journeys when I started. There's actually another transformation that started pretty much at the same time as me, which has been helping with that message. So we're kind of also getting more agile in the ways of working of Bostic. Um, it was really important for me from the from the first day onwards that we wouldn't just work in a mode where somebody gives us um, somebody gives us a commission and we we build something and then then it's a one-off and we move on to work on something else. I wanted to create an environment where everyone has accountability on the customer experience. So I've been I've been telling a lot of people like directors and vice presidents that I don't really care what you own, but I care a lot about what you take accountability for. Mm. And and that's kind of the mindset where we've been starting to spread across the company. Like, like one of the side activities that we've had as the design team is um, we built a toolkit or maybe you could call it a playbook for, for all of Posti to utilize design thinking. So it's kind of like a little set of, um, little set of tools and thoughts that you can take home to, think about how how does your job specifically relate to the customer experience and what can you do 
to help your coworker, help your customer. And, and, and that's kind of a key of, of getting the company more invested in design and having them understand the wider impact design can have. Because a lot of design leaders um, I speak to, and I speak to a lot of them because I'm mentoring quite a few design leaders these days. Mm. Um, um, a, lot of, a lot of the problems that they, they keep having is revolving around trying to justify the role of design in, in the uh, strategic decision-making tables. And, and I think the best way to really indicate that impact is to have people try design thinking in their daily lives and really seeing how that ripples in the organization. Like if you can get someone who's, for example, um, a mailman or parcel deliverer or parcel sorter to think about how their work impacts customer experience, you're like already halfway there in making a real impact in in the organization with, with strategic design. Okay. So it was it's more about um educating because you described mailmen instead of the management in design thinking. Yeah, so, I, I actually wanna I actually wanna think of it as a as a group exercise for, for the whole company. Okay. Uh, but I specifically called out mailmen because I think it's relatively easy to get management and business owners and product owners excited about customer experience. It's, mm. it's much harder and much more important to have the field um, personnel understand what it means to be customer centric. And I know they, they actually possess that skill usually by heart. Like they're the ones who actually deal with real customers. Yeah. That's why day. I was surprised. So, so the people so, who are actually so, on the front lines, they needed more convincing. I don't think they needed convincing. I think they needed tools. There's okay. a difference. So, okay. so um, nobody. Well, this is the hilarious part. Nobody needed needed convincing. Okay. Because um, we are ready to change. So, it's really hard to argue against building better customer journeys and building better customer experience. So, if you explain yourself uh, in a clear enough way, if you explain your goal to go deep with customer journeys there is no counter argument. Like how can you argue against getting a better perspective on customer churns? You can argue against um, how much practical investment you're putting on building customer churns. And you can argue versus... how you're going to do it. Everyone yeah. can agree on the, the that that needs to be done, the goal, but how do we get there? That is totally true. But at the same time, if the company completely lacks the language and the tools to create a customer journey, um, any approach is better than nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. So honestly, honestly, um, the reason I mentioned the front line is is that they already possess the skills and the mindset for the customer centricity, but they lack. Uh, they usually lack um, the mindset for design and how how to ex- how to explore. The different aspects of customer experience, and and it's usually easier to explain that to someone like a business owner or a product owner who um, who have been trained, at least to an extent, in in their in their training or in their practical work life to think about minimum viable products and and the idea of experimenting with your services. So, people who work in the front line don't typically even realize that they would have 
some kind of effect on the work that they're doing. And if you if you give them design as a tool set, uh, it's interesting to see how that sparks. And we haven't done that as much as I would have would have wanted to. Like we've been spreading the um, spreading the toolkit and the and the idea of idea of design, but um, since there's a lot to do to transform the customer journey thinking of a company like this, my team just hasn't haven't had the time to actually engage with literally everybody. But like I said, I, I think it's it's easier and faster to get the management um, involved with that kind of thinking than it is to really think about the front line. And the front line is actually important also because if you think about the services that we're providing, so if you think about the journey of a single parcel, um, a lot of it, or actually the most of it, is actually in the front line itself. So there, mm. there is some kind of a process that's handled by the frontline workers. And it doesn't matter how how beautiful UIs you build or how shiny your parcel locker is if your logistical process is crap. So um, it's super important that the people who work in the most important part, which is the logistical process, would have all the tools that they can have to think about how their role in that process uh, can be improved so that the things we would want to do for the customer experience are, are enabled. Because we, we talk a lot about themes like uh, giving the parcel recipient more control of uh, where, when, and how they want their parcels. Like if you think about it, uh, we could potentially uh, in the future understand your context so that if, if we realize that you're at your summer place, we wouldn't even try to drop your parcel to a parcel locker near your home, but we would rather just ask you, hey, so are you interested in getting this parcel delivered to your cottage or whatever? Mm. So you can't really enable that kind of forward thinking without taking it to the front lines right yep cool well let's wrap up with well this podcast is called noticing the obvious and i'm really interested in just sometimes we miss the most obvious things so you talked about building a design team so let me let me ask an obvious question sure Building a design team successfully or being a successful design leader, wouldn't that be the same as building any team successfully? Meaning it's all about learning how to bring people together. How different can that be from learning how to bring designers together? It's it's not, but I think the flavor, the obvious flavor, if you will, yeah. uh, is that the dif difference between the difference between um, a sort of um, well, I'm I'm not sure what what to com what business to compare us to, but let's say let's say let's say um, accountants. I don't like using accountants as an example, <laughs> but I'm going to say accountants anyway because I know a lot of brilliant creative accountants. But let's 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 say accountants. So so leading leading accountants, you have a very specific substance in a way. So you have a lot of you have a substance that has a lot of specific laws, specific regulations, specific specific ways of working on things. And your role as a leader is to um, unblock your team to to kind of drive the things in a way that's that's being gold. Whereas if you get to the creative fields, you're you're actually not building sandboxes and, and, and mental structures of 
of regulated things, you're trying to inspire creativity. Mm. And that is actually very different. So, yes. so instead of trying to tell them you have to use form A2, you're saying you're going to have to tap into your own intuition. You're going to have to tap into what we know about user aspirations and you're going to have to tap into what's happening in the market and create something from, from emptiness. And that I think is the obvious difference. Yeah, that is the obvious difference. But also if we're looking at measuring success with the accountants, it's easy. Once you know, you say, yeah, fill in this form and then the result you can see success or failure with design. It's much harder, isn't it? Yes, although I touched this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but I but I but I touched touched this really early, um, almost accidentally. I think good design is measured by objective goals, and everybody keeps saying that it's difficult to form objective design goals. But I don't think that's actually true. I just think it's lazy. Yeah. If you're not being lazy with your work, if if you really focus down on what are the key elements that would make our uh, solution successful? And then you measure them, um, measure them in a systemic way. You will make your design objective relatively easily. It's it's a bit more work, but at the same time, uh, it, it's a, it's a frame of mind that you adapt and 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 then just run with it. It becomes your second nature. And I don't know whether it's just. It might be unfair. Um, I might have an unfair advantage having worked at Google, where it was so core yeah. to everything, like to build, um, build like measurable goals for every every single thing that we did. But I also think that if you take yourself seriously as a designer and a design leader, regardless of of whether or not you have a team, because um, I think designers should be leaders anyway. This is another topic that we can say for later. Wow! Um, yeah, I love that. So. So, All designers so you, should be leaders, even if you're working solo, you're leading yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we, so, we have to so, talk about that next time. Yeah, absolutely. So so to close, um, if you want to be a successful designer and a successful design leader, you should really think about the objective measurability as, as one of the key things in your work. And, and when it becomes a second nature to you, it isn't actually that much work anymore. So from my point of view, if you don't take the time to actually build that capability, then I'm sorry, but you are a little bit lazy. I love that. I love that. I love that you went there. It is lazy, right? People can call it creativity, you know, being artistic, but it's just lazy if you're not defining objective goals. Boom. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, I'm with you. Thank you so much, Yuho. This was awesome. We have to do a part two. Now, well, now yeah, that we've then, teased then we the topic. The... <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We we need to get deeper into, into leading design and, and being a designer and how those th- two things work together. Um, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work on it, so it's, okay, it's, I would it's a love lot that. of fun always discussing that angle. Cool. cool. Thank you once again. Good stuff. All right, that was Yuho Basanen. If you want to connect with Yuho, check out the links in the description of this podcast. I'm Tan Lei, and you're listening to Noticing the Obvious. 
You can listen to more episodes and connect with me on noticingtheobvious.com. You'll find lots of episodes with interesting guests sharing insights and stories and truths, which are often really obvious, but you may have forgotten to notice. That's it from me. See you next time.